All right. Plenty of stuff there. Plenty of good stuff. All right. Here we go. You ready? <clears throat> yeah, I've been ready. I've been being ready for like minutes. Minutes. I'm so ready. Stop talking so we can actually start. Hello, and welcome to episode number 19 of the Admissions Director's Lunchcast. I'm your host, Nathan Ament, Vice President of Enrollment Management at Loyola University, New Orleans, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Tej Matil, Interim Assistant Vice President for Admission at DePaul University. Tej, how are you? Nathan, today may be the best day. How are you? T, I'm really great, and I am super excited for this episode. This was a good uh -huh. one. We're discussing gap year as a strategy, and we've got some great guests to help us out. Tej, let's remind folks about the format of the LunchCast first, though. Okay. Uh, well, Nathan and I, each week, along with our guests, one influencer oh. and one practitioner, uh, Nathan is laughing at me. Each week, our guest and I us will discuss a topic that is directly related to recruitment and admission. You're still laughing. <laughs> our hope is that by the end of your lunch hour, you, the listener, will have a good enough handle on the topic that you can implement tactics quickly, maybe even this afternoon or whenever Nathan stops laughing at me. <laughs> Let's just power through. That was too good to cut out. Let's just keep going. Okay, thank you. Who will be joining us this week to discuss gap year as a strategy? Oh my gosh, Nathan, we've got fantastic guests. Fantastic. Our influencer guest this week, we have Dean Jacoby. Dean is the first name, not the title. Dean Jacoby is the director. I'm going to cut that. He always makes that joke. I think he can make the joke, but other people can't, right? I think right? you could, you should have kept going that says he would actually, that he would have made the joke. I think we just keep going. I think we're still in the we're still in the opening. So what's well, his title again? Teach? Well, Dean Jacoby is the director of college guidance at Albuquerque Academy in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and he is legitimately fantastic. No, I agree. It was a great it was a great interview. OK, so then our practitioner guest, we have Jake Weisbord, director of partnerships and strategic innovations at Verto Education in Portland, Oregon. But I believe he lives in Mexico City. We unpacked that a little bit. That's in correct. The interview. And Nathan, I'm really excited. What's his name? It's Jake. <laughs> Gonna let that one float. All right, Tiggy. I'm really excited. So let's get started. It's Tej. You should have said it's Jake. <laughs> Well, Teach, this is a really exciting episode, and this idea, I think, actually hit us back at NACAC, because we both met with our uh, practitioner guest, Jake, um, mm -hmm. at NACAC in Seattle, and then it got us to thinking um, about how we could actually approach this on the podcast, um, and then I think, <laughs> we didn't we go from a meeting with Jake at like a coffee shop, and then we went up to the vendor hall? And then ran into Dean. I think literally, isn't that yeah. how that worked out? You know, Nathan, I will say I'm a little worried the way you talk about it uh, suggests we're not going to too many uh, sessions at NACAC. 
But yes, that's what happened. We left the meeting with Jake, went to the exhibit hall where we found Dean. And uh, we were just all talking about gap years that day. Yeah, it was exciting. And we did not go to any sessions because we were so excited to talk about gap years. Um, I went to I think... every session, every session. No, you didn't. Don't even lie keep to going, these people. Keep going, Are keep you going. kidding me? Don't stop I'm lying. This out. Go. Yeah, yeah, sure you will. Okay, so um, I, what we're trying to get here is that these are these can be a strategy. And when I think what you and I were discussing when we were um, on that walk from the coffee shop up the vendor hall, I'll say it one more time, is that how we actually need to pay attention. In all seriousness, how do we actually pay attention to these students and not view them view them or their decision, more importantly, correct, correct. as a disappointment because we're not going to be able to count them in this year's numbers. And I think um, when we interviewed both Jake and Dean, we addressed that, um, that there's value in these students um, and the experiences that they bring to your institution, even if it is a one-year delay of when they actually will enroll. Right, Teach? Yeah, you know, that's what I got most excited about from our conversation with Jake. And and I know it comes out, it's going to come out in the, the interview too, that they found a model that admissions offices can lean on to, to recruit students who are going to do a gap year that doesn't eat into the admit pool that you have, right? That's the part that I get most excited about. Dean unpacks that for us a, a little bit as well. Mm -hmm. But, you know, sometimes, sometimes it's about doing this amazing life-changing experience. Yeah, but sometimes it's also just about um, maturing a little bit, settling into place. I've always uh, thought of about hockey players in this in this regard, right? So students that go on to play college level hockey almost always have to take a year or two after high school to play in a junior professional league. And, and then they come to college. And in working with those students, you just see how that time away from home really matured them and had them more ready uh, to, to take advantage of the college experience. Um, I, I think it's really exciting. I agree. So let's get right into it because I know these are both pretty hefty interviews um, and it's going to be a great episode. So um, here are our discussions with um, our two guests, uh, Dean Jacoby of... First name, not a title. First name, <laughs> not a title. Followed by our conversation with our practitioner guest, Jake. And he didn't even put in Weisborg on the script, but his name is just Jake, apparently. As always, we hope you enjoy these discussions. And as always, we'll see you on the other side. Well, Nathan, here we are discussing gap year as a strategy, and I can't think of a better guest than who we have with us right now. Dean Jacoby, the Director of College Guidance at Albuquerque Academy in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Dean, welcome to the LunchCast. The invitation, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, Dean, you and I go way back. We actually first met not in Albuquerque, but at College Horizons, working together in that regard, uh, which is fantastic. But can you, for our listeners who don't know you, give us a little bit of your background and how you uh, came to your current role? So um, I started as an admissions officer. So I was working at Bates College under Wiley Mitchell and Bill Hiss. 
decided I really liked working more in students and the other side of it been at five different two overseas, two back east, and finally arrived about 14 years ago. Uh, so I've been years in the field on one side of the desk or the other. And gap year has been with me almost all that time since I took a gap year before college and have been presenting on it for a couple decades now. That's fantastic. Can you tell us about your own gap year experience? Yeah, it was one of the most meaningful years of my life. I was a typical, can I say, boy in high school. I was a little intellectually, I was okay, but emotionally, I was probably a little behind the curve. And uh, certainly all the girls would saying that uh, about me um, and uh, with their actions, if not their words. And um, I would say that gave me a chance to catch up. I spent time working and raising money. I spent time going cross country on a Greyhound bus. It takes six days and five nights in case you're interested. I checked out possible careers like archeology span and decided that wasn't for me. I was robbed at knife point in Mexico and learned Spanish on the streets. And uh, I lived for wrestling on the net, which started an interest both in the Southwest, but also working with native students, which is where College Horizons comes in, uh, my study abroad mm -hmm. during college. Um, some of the work I do helping native students um, go through the college process. So I would say my That's gap fantastic. year informed a lot of my life. Yeah. Yeah, that it sounds like a, a, a full year for sure <laughs> that you got a lot in that year. <laughs> More than I expected. Yeah. <laughs> well. Dean, from your work with students um, and parents, for that matter, what would you say is the driver to make them want to take a gap year? Yeah, I'm glad you're asking that question and you're wording it the way you do. I have uh, a different answer for what I wish people would see as the reason to take a gap year. Um, I think everybody, no matter where they're at, can benefit from a gap year. If they're super academically focused, they could do something that allows them to experience that academic interest in a hands-on way. If they need time to mature emotionally, they can do projects that would allow them to grow as a person. If they need to see more of the world, if they want to work on a language, really almost anything that, that they feel like they're interested in or feel like is an area of growth for them, they can use a gap year. It is very, very diverse in all the ways that it can be used. The truth is, is that the majority of people who I work with who actually follow through and take a gap year are the people who uh, are just feeling like school doesn't speak to them and they need a little bit of adventure or experiential learning. And, and that's the person who most often takes it and that fits the stereotype, but it's not the only reason to do it. Well, I, I, I really like how you kind of made that um, distinction between those two groups. Um, from your, I'm going to ask you to unpack that maybe a little bit more. Um, how do you think that I mean, when you're working with students, you kind of know which one is, is which or which path? Or is it harder to convince maybe that first category of student that they should be taking um, a gap year instead of immediately going into to an institution? Yeah, Nathan, um, what I find is that there are students who I'll be speaking with them pretty early on, sophomore, junior year, and I'll say, wow, you're a perfect candidate for a gap year. And mm -hmm. 
because you're disillusioned with school, because you're frustrated, because you seem kind of tired and burned out, and they'll kind of say, oh, I'm interested in that. But when the time comes, those students will be the ones who will often say, well, I, I don't want to kind of get off the path. I, I just want to keep going. And uh, sometimes I think they go into college and they have actually a less ideal experience because they, they weren't ready. They weren't completely all mm -hmm. motivated and all in, but they weren't willing to make what they felt like was this big, you know, jump into a gap year. Uh, and sometimes it's the student who seems more independent and a free spirit who wants that adventure, who often makes me, you know, they'll say, I want a gap year and they'll follow through and they'll do it. Um, does that, is that what you're asking? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm asking. I think that leads me well, uh, very well into the into my next question here. Um, I, I think the the students uh, that we see that takes that take gap years, at least on the college side, I think I could probably I could think of a, a number of students that probably fall into both of those categories. But on the college side, um, it's kind of a cringeworthy term, <laughs> gap year, if that makes sense, um, because it's uh, it's a delayed gratification. We know we're probably going to end up um, getting that student to come to our college campus um, after they take that gap year, but we're not going to be able to count them in this year's numbers. And we live and die, as you, <laughs> I'm sure you know, by this year's numbers. Um, so, you know, our audiences of this podcast are admissions directors. Um, how would you advise admissions directors to, to lean into gap year as a strategy, um, even though it does delay that gratification um, to help count for this year's incoming class, if that makes sense? Oh, it sure does. I definitely remember my days in, in the admissions world and looking at the matriculation, you know, responses as they came in and cheering and crying when when the the answers went my way and didn't go my way uh so that's a very a very strong memory i have uh i would say there's a couple of functional uh, proposals i'd like to make first is i was lucky enough to be asked to be on the colorado college counselor advisory board uh, and serve three years with them and I can tell you that Mark Hatch and uh, a lot of the great people up there saw it as a recruitment benefit because if they were getting 40 or 50 students who would be coming the following year, it, it just like ED, kind of narrowed your pool and allowed you to um, more accurately hit your number. And um, I think they saw it as a real advantage once they got past that first year. So Nathan, mm -hmm. I don't know how to make the case about one year out, right? But if you're able right. to, to do it for one year and then you can keep rolling it forward, it, it really is just a one year blip where you're losing a student. Uh, hopefully you have a cohort coming in every year. The, the stronger case that I'm gonna make is, is qualitative, meaning uh, there's been research, Will Schiffelbein at Colorado College did some research for his master's on this and we presented about it at the Super ACAC years ago where uh, students who did a gap year are more likely to graduate in four years. They're more likely to show satisfaction in their major. They're uh, more likely to, um, or they're less likely to be involved in disciplinary and emotional health issues at schools. So the student you're getting is more likely to stay, more likely to graduate and less likely to be a problem. 
from Will's research. Mm-hmm. And then Bob Claggett at the Gap Year Research Consortium, um, and I'm on a, that board as well, would like to trumpet the work of that board. You know, his early research with uh, Middlebury, UNC, and a few other places shows that um, students also outperform their expected GPA after taking a gap year, which falls in line with my own personal experience with myself, but also with my students that I've worked with over the years. Mm-hmm. I, I did a survey of my students who had taken a gap year from academy and overwhelmingly 90 plus percent of them said that they were intellectually more ready for college and more enthusiastic about what they were going to face in college. So what I think you're getting and why it would be something that an admissions director would want at their school is I know part of your job is to meet numbers, right? But a bigger part of your job is to, I think, have students that other students appreciate and very importantly, faculty like to work with. And I think what you're getting is you're getting a student who's gonna be more intellectually engaged, offering a broader range of backgrounds, bringing to discussions and bringing to the classroom a perspective that is much, um, maybe more informed, maybe much more articulate, maybe much more interesting, maybe coming from a different angle than most 18 year olds. And uh, I think enhances, enriches the discussion, uh, makes a teacher feel like, hey, I'm working with some really interesting, engaged students, people who I can see doing research with. Uh, I think there's a lot that can accrue from bringing in students who are on a gap year. A lot of what you've been talking about, Dean, really, really helps me think that the takeaway for our admissions directors who are listening to this is to make sure there's a, a, a follow-up plan to stay engaged with those students throughout their gap year. Um, you've got an audience right now of our of admissions directors, right? That's that's our audience. What do you think we can do to maintain a connection with a student who's essentially intentionally stepping out of the college search process for a year? Right. Uh I think you're absolutely right to have that concern. I would love to be able to dissimulate and say you you shouldn't, but but that's just not the truth. There is some small percentage of my students who take a gap year with the intent of reapplying to some schools or trying some different, different options. Um, but that's not the majority at all, but it is out there and it is possible that you'll have, what would you call it? Not summer melt anymore, right? It's year melt. I don't gap year melt. I don't know what we call that. Uh, But I would also say, you know, I know that you guys aren't looking for one student to come for one year. You're looking for a student to come and hopefully graduate to persist and that those numbers are really important. If you help a student take a gap year, they're probably going to feel more committed to the institution. Again, they're more likely to graduate anyway. So you're you're actually getting someone that you're not going to have to replace in a year or two anyway. But my real sell is going to be this. Because gap year is relatively unusual, I don't think that many colleges do a particularly good job with it. And I agree, Teach, Mm -hmm. that you really do need to engage. For example, you have a study abroad office, you have a career office. What if you encourage the students to work with them to find really great opportunities for themselves, which would also help them understand to like, you know, feel like this is a great place for me. These people were so helpful. There's so much information here. I know when I come back to this college, there'll be great study abroad and career options for me. Uh, I think you engage the rest of your your campus resources in in reaching out to these students. 
perhaps even a counseling staff person in terms of, you know, one of the challenges that gap year people face is we go off and we have uh, challenging experiences in new locations sometimes and having someone that we know is a resource that we could talk to to help us through a tough point would be, and again, make the student feel very connected with your institution. In a very smaller sense, I would think it would be great to have like a quarterly check-in. Just a quick email to say, hey, how are you doing? Uh, it's been three or four months. Where are you at? What are you doing? Is there anything we can help with? And um, I think mm -hmm. that would be a, a great standard operating procedure for any admission student. I think that's just such a great way to to think about it. Um, you've definitely brought some really great ideas that would involve cross-campus collaborations that are, are new and different um, that are, are worth considering too. But but certainly the the making sure that the admissions counselors that worked with the student remain in touch in some kind of predictable fashion um, can can really help out. So and even maybe celebrating them when they come back to campus. Would there be um an evening where they could talk about their share it. Um, and I think, you know, also give recognizing that they've been through something a little bit different and offer something a little bit different to your campus community would be a nice thing to do. Yeah, and you know, if a student really feels celebrated for their gap year experience, that's someone that the admissions office can then leverage to be in touch with students who are gonna take the gap year the next year, right? To talk about how it was to roll into this community a year after graduating high school, um, that it worked, that it was okay. Maybe they can even be in touch with parents for, for some for nervous parents. I, I could just see a lot of positive benefits there. Yeah, there's an issue of getting critical mass, but I think if you do get critical mass, I think you start building this community that's almost self-perpetuating. And mm -hmm. uh, I think that, again, the, the student who takes a gap year, uh, I wish they were as a wider variety, but the majority of them are independent, self-motivated, adventurous, curious, and um, more likely to take action, right? And if you have those students coming in greater numbers to your college that generally define some of the difference makers on a campus. Well, Dean, this has been uh, just a fantastic conversation. We, we went long, but it was, it was great at every, every, every turn. We always like to just finish with our two uh, closing questions. Uh, what are you working on next that you're excited about? And if anyone wants to stay in touch with you or continue the conversation, how can they reach you? So thank you so much for inviting me. I really enjoyed this conversation and welcome any opportunity to help try to redefine the conversation around gap year. And part of that, and I guess what I'd say I'm doing is I have been very honored to be asked by Bob Claggett to be on the board of the Gap Year Research Consortium where what we're trying to do is put numbers to everything I just said. I mentioned a few small studies, but we're trying to create a much larger sample size and create uh, research across different types of institutions that track gap year students and prove out what we think we know anecdotally. So that's what I'm working on in part. And I would love to hear from anybody if I can uh, continue to proselytize. I'm always well, you know, always willing to do it. Again, my name is Dean Jacoby. That's my name, not my title. I was a dean of students, but it, it, it's really just my name. My parents, uh, I guess, had foresight when they named me. Um, I'm available at Albuquerque Academy. My email is jacoby 
at aa.edu. That's J-A-C-O-B-Y at aa.edu. I'd love to hear from people. Thank you so much, Dean. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure. Well, Tej, I'm really excited to welcome our guest here to this gap year episode. We were discussing gap year as a strategy. I'm pleased to introduce Jake Weisbord, Director of Partnerships and Strategic Initiatives at Verto Education, which is based in Portland, Oregon. But Jake, I believe you're coming to us live from Mexico City, Mexico. Is that correct? And welcome to the LunchCast. That is correct. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. We're really excited to get into this conversation about the gap years. So, but before we do that, um, just give us a little bit of your background, um, how you got into higher education and how you got to Verto and this current position. So I've spent my whole career in, in higher ed. I, I started my career in uh, study abroad, international ed. Uh, I worked in workforce development, worked for some innovative new pathways in higher ed, like Year Up and Duet. And a couple of years ago, I, I found my way to Verto, which I'll explain a bit more about, but really sits at the nexus of, of those few things. Well, that's great. And why don't you just give us a little bit of background about Verto before we jump into our questions here. Just give us a little background about the company itself. Absolutely. absolutely. So at Verto, we offer students a, a different way to do their first semester or first year of college through experiential semesters abroad at one of our seven campuses around the world. And when students are with us, we're awarding them a full semester or year worth of credit. So they're doing their gen ed core requirements. We're tailoring the curriculum to be place-based and experiential. So for example, a student in Costa Rica takes an environmental science course and isn't sitting in a lecture. They're spending much of their time in the field doing things like designing a sustainable irrigation system or assessing deforestation in, in the rainforest. Uh, we're also offering a lot of the same benefits as a gap year. So students get the coming of age experience, and the opportunity to get out of their comfort zone and think about who they are and what they want to do. They're just doing it without the gap because when they're done with us, they're transferring to one of our partner colleges as a second semester freshman or first semester sophomore on track to graduate within four years. So that's a perfect segue into my first question. And um, I think those of us on the college side um, really do still would still see it as a gap year, but I'm really glad that you're uh, you're making that difference and you're going to explain that and get into that. Um, I can tell you, and I probably speak for Tej as well, that as admissions directors, as VP for enrollments, when we hear the word gap year, we kind of cringe a little bit because <laughs> that means that we're not going to actually be able to get that deposit or get that student's um, tuition and get that student's, student here um, yep. right away. It's a little bit of a, a delayed gratification, if you will. But those of us that have been um, in the business, we know that gap years are an important part of an enrollment strategy. So from your from your perspective, um, why should we on the admissions side, and again, our podcast audience is admissions professionals, why should we see gap years as an advantage rather than a disappointment when we're working with our admitted students? Yeah, so I, I think admissions departments want to find and serve students who are likely to persist and graduate, who are mature and empathetic and who enrich their campuses with diverse perspectives and who have clarity on their academic and professional goals. So there's a bunch of data that shows students who take purposeful gap years are exactly the kinds of students you would want on your campus. It seems like a huge advantage in that way. I, I can tell you personally, I benefited a ton from taking a gap year. 19 year old Jake after my gap year was a 
whole different person than than 18 year old Jake fresh out of high school, time away from home and immersed in another culture, totally changed my disposition towards school and career and my social life. And I came to college much more prepared. You know, Jake, that's really interesting. Can you flesh out a little bit more? Uh, you made a distinction between a, a purposeful gap year and, again, some kind of unnamed alternative. Can you help us better understand what you're seeing there? Yeah, so some folks take gap years and they're hanging out at home and maybe working service sector jobs and spending time with high school friends and, and kind of waiting it out. And there's not a whole lot of evidence that that kind of gap year uh, is beneficial. Um, but if you get out of your comfort zone, away from home, there's some structure, you know, you can you can develop an incredible amount of social and academic skills and maturity, develop a sense of clarity and, and purpose about who you are and what you want to do. Um, and there's a whole lot of gap year programs that provide those kinds of experiences. You know, and there's there's so much to what you're saying there, too, with the with the structure and the independence. I think any of us who've worked at a school with a hockey program, right, with a hockey team, where we're regularly recruiting students who spent two years out of high school in in the junior leagues, living independently on their own. Um, you're right. They just they just come with a different maturity level and preparedness for um, independent living as part of going to college than uh, when they come straight out of high school. Yep, that's exactly right. So, Jake, from your perspective, um, I, now I know the answer. So this is a this is very much a leading question for you. <laughs> um, but does taking a gap year help or hurt a student's college path? And can you just kind of um, put some some meat or some tofu on that uh, to explain why? Totally. Um, again, I think it totally depends on what the gap year consists of. So as I mentioned, there are some kinds of gap years that certainly wouldn't help a student's college pass. But there, there are other gap years, again, those that are that are structured. And in particular, I think those that re require students getting out of their comfort zone. And that could be through travel. It could also be through meaningful work-based learning experiences. Um, really do help a student's college path. Uh, I'll, I'll talk about Verto uh, because we're, we're an organization that, as I mentioned, is really designed to help students and their college path. Um, we offer transferable college credits, obviously, um, and the experience that students have where they're living abroad um, for a semester, a year, immersed in other cultures, taking courses in hands-on experiential ways, uh, and getting a lot of help from us to make informed college and career plans. Uh, really help them. And, and when they're done with us and they transfer to one of our partner schools, we've found that they're not only more likely to persist and graduate, but they're really thriving on partner campuses because of the personal and academic growth that they experience with us. That's really great information. And I guess that leads me to my next question. So on the college side, um, as we're kind of looking at a, a lot of different varieties, and of course, you know, Averto should be right at the top of our list always, but I know there's a lot of different gap year programs. Um, what's kind of a wit, uh, wish list item for how we approach these gap year programs and which ones we can funnel our students into and recommend, if that makes sense? Yeah, totally. So I think a good way to start is just by promoting gap years as an, as an option to more incoming students. And places like Tufts and, and Middlebury and Colorado College have, have really led the way and, and done a great job with this. I think the other reality here is that most families can't afford to spend money on a gap year program and then on an expensive mm -hmm. four-year degree program. And so the thing I'd want most to see colleges do is offer academic incentive for students to take gap years. And so this could mean offering credit for prior learning or service work that students do during their gap year. It could mean encouraging students to take a couple online courses during their year 
or it could mean partnering with programs like Virto that, that offer credit. Um, and, and these academic experiences would not only help students save money, um, but they'd come to college better prepared academically as well. You know, Jake, I'm gonna I'm gonna go off script here, and we may choose to cut out what I'm about to say, and that's okay. But follow me on this journey, because as you were talking about linking in the academic credits specifically, but the academic incentives with the gap year, reminds me of uh, the time Melissa McCarthy hosted Saturday Night Live. Uh, <laughs> so hold on, oh, we really have to go with you here, don't we? <laughs> We're going on a ride. We're going on a ride. There was a scene. It's one of my favorite SNL skits uh, where Hidden Valley Ranch is doing taste testing for a new product. And Melissa McCarthy is a character who's one of the three people there. I don't know if you're remembering the skit, but we learn she just she loves Hidden Valley Ranch. And she almost gets a little a little misty, a little weepy, a little emotional where uh, she just turns to him and she's like, I love your product, man. And she pounds the chest a couple times and she's like, I mean, I I love your product. And that's how I feel about Virto and why we had you on the lunch cast this semester. That was the end of the journey. Um, you you all are, you took a, a situation that's happening out there. Students who um, either don't feel ready for college or um, want to experience something before they start their first year of college. And you've infused with such intentionality an academic component behind it. I almost, I actually, I should say you're not paying us for this. I, I worry that this is going to sound like an ad, um, but I was just so impressed with the intentionality you built behind it and the way you made sure that it wasn't necessarily eating into the recruitment funnel of a college that you're working with. Um, I'm just wondering if you can uh, better help us understand the, the, the way it works with the college, how the credits transfer back, where the students come from, et cetera. Yeah. Totally. Um, um, so essentially, there, there are three components of, of a partnership with, with Virto. Um, the, the first is that our application serves as an application to our partners. It's like a common application or transfer common application. So students are applying to us and we're collecting a high school transcript. We're collecting a college recommendation and we're collecting uh, an essay. And students are telling us which of our partner colleges they want to apply to. They can select up to five at any point. We have 70 partners. We're sending the application to the partner and they're telling the student within a few weeks whether they've been denied or they've been conditionally admitted. And that conditional admission just hinges on that student doing well enough uh, academically. Totally up to the college to determine what well enough means. It could be a 2-5 with us or a 3-5 or whatever they're comfortable with. So the second piece of partnership is, is the mapping of the credit. So our partner colleges accept our coursework as, as gen ed core requirements, whether it's anthropology or, or history or literature 101, they, they map to courses in, in partner colleges course catalogs. And the way in which we administer credit and financial aid is through our school of record. So our school of record is Richard Bland College of William and Mary. It's a junior college attached to William and Mary. And that means our courses are in their course catalog, our faculty, their affiliate faculty. That's the college that, that students put on the FAFSA so they can get Pell and other Title IV. And at the end of the semester year, that's the transcript that they take for transfer at, at one of our partner schools. Uh, the, the last component of partnership is, is a financial piece. So, so partners are, are giving us a small fee for, for every student that transfers there. 
Yeah, that's fantastic. Thank you. And, and the reason I wanted you to kind of flesh that out was not so much to to kind of give a microphone to Virto, although there you go, you had it. Um, <laughs> but instead, to 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 really shine a light on um, the the one of the I think the more structured ways a gap program can work, right? I think, you know, Nathan mentioned in the beginning that sometimes admissions directors feel a bit let down when a student says they're taking a gap year. Um, and I, I certainly think when the gap year is, uh, frankly, what I did after high school, which is just um, not do anything other than go out and work and, and kind of see what, what the, the non-college real world is like. Right. Um, those students, uh, th it, they don't seem to have a great chance of coming back to college, right? So that can feel like a disappointment. Um, or the alternative is kind of the the, the rom-com version of, you know, the parents send the kid with a backpack and $5,000 to Europe for a year, right? right. And um, while there's certainly learning and, and growth and development that comes from both scenarios, the path back to college isn't so clear. But with these structured programs, I can see the glide path and in a way that was um, really, really exciting for me when we were sitting at that outdoor coffee patio in at NACAC last year. Yeah, no, that, that's totally right. I mean, Virto really is designed um, just to bring really talented, diverse, globally minded transfer students to colleges that are looking for, for transfer enrollment and, and looking for students who really enrich those campuses. Well, I think this has been a good conversation. And um, again, not sponsored by Verto, but TJ and I are both big believers in it. So uh, I love your product, man. I love yeah, your I love product. Your product. <laughs> and I appreciate you guys having me on to talk about it. Truly. I think we're going to find that uh, SNL skit with Melissa McCarthy and uh, link it in the show notes here just oh. so everybody can prep on that one. But if you believe it, T, I actually remember that one and her pounding her chest. And she just she drank it by the gallon. I she think. did. Wasn't that the other thing? It, at the end, she just uh, squeezed a whole bottle of ranch dressing over her face, <laughs> uh, scooping it up from her sweatshirt with a spoon, saying, ba 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 ba. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to see it. We'll put it in the show notes. We and, definitely will. And anytime Beautiful. someone thinks sees Hidden Valley Ranch, they will think of Verto. <laughs> Do we want that brand association? <laughs> you never know. You never know. All right. Well, Jake, this has been a great conversation. Always lively with uh, with Teej when he's when he's wound up and thinking back to old Melissa McCarthy skits. So <laughs> we're going to ask I'm going to ask you the two questions here at the end that we ask all our guests. Um, what are you working on next? And then how can folks get in touch with you should they want to continue the conversation? Terrific. Uh, and, and thanks again, guys, for having me on. I really enjoyed this. Uh, so. I'm focused on adding new colleges to our partner consortium at Verto to make sure all of our students have a good fit school to transfer to when they're done with us and always eager to connect with admissions folks, maybe some of the people listening to this podcast, uh, about bringing more talented, diverse transfer students to, to your campuses. Um, and how can folks get in touch with me? Feel free to connect with me on, on LinkedIn. My name is Jake Weisbord, or, or reach out at jake at vertoeducation.org. Well, that's great. Thanks, Jake. We really appreciate you coming on to the LunchCast. Good luck with everything you're doing. Um, hopefully it warms up a little bit there in Mexico City and, uh, and have a great day. Thanks so much for joining us. Many thanks. Take care, guys.
Nathan, as we said at the outset, the, those interviews were fantastic. I worry that I may have crossed the line into being like a fanboy of Verto a little too much. <laughs> so I apologize if anyone was offended by that. We did not get paid by them to say anything we said. Um, but it's just, like I said, I'm just really excited about what they're doing. And I think there's a lot of potential. Nathan, what, what stood out to you about these conversations? I'm a big fan of Verto. I, you know, not a sponsor. This, you know, I don't, I don't believe they're a sponsor, but maybe yes, they will well, be. Well, they can call us. They can, they call, can us. call us, you know, whatever. Um, but no, I'm, I'm a big proponent of Verto uh, for the two different streams that they have and the way that they've really approached this for the students and addressing the students' needs. Um, I was fascinated, though, to hear about Dean's personal experiences and then also some of the experiences and some of the resources that he um, has on the in, on the, the board he's on and how they have seen the research for these students um, graduated at a higher rate and mm -hmm. things like that. And that it's not just your typical, and we got into this in the interview, but not just your typical go and study abroad um, in Europe or something for a year. Like these students are really trying to figure out what they can do next. Um, you know, and that could be through a work opportunity um, or whatever else. So he, he really honestly opened up my eyes to all the different options yeah. for gap years and, and the value in these students. Um, and I was uh, truthful in the interview when I said that I had pulled away some strategies that I thought we could actually use at Loyola. Um, and we are actually writing up some communications to these students to talk to them um, about what their options are as gap, should they choose to do a gap year. Um, and then also to continue to communicate with them throughout the year once they do defer their admission and choose a gap year so that they feel like they're still connected to the institution and they're not just left out there on their own, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Well, just helping them see their path from whatever they were doing after high school to enrollment. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's 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 a critical but but too easily overlooked experience. Uh, I don't think I I think I, I don't think I talked about it in the interviews, um, but I, I did that myself. I had three semesters off in between high school and college, and I really when I play back what the trajectory would have been had I just powered straight through because that was that was what was expected. I I do not think I was ready to take advantage of the experience. And I, I, I think I'm much better off for having done it, even though everybody would look at my gap year at the time as not productive. Okay, all kidding aside, legitimately, mm -hmm. and I'd be saying this even if we weren't recording this right now, I did not know that you took three. I thought you had like a quick semester or something, but I didn't know you had that no. big of a gap. Yeah. Um, I stayed about a week before I realized it, this wasn't for me. I wasn't ready. Um, now, it's important to note, I was always the youngest person in my high school. I was born on the last day at which mm. I could have been in kindergarten, right? So I, I really think there's a case to be made that I needed needed time to mature. But no, I, I left. I started working full time. I did that for a year and a half before um, the realities of that, the, the longevity of what I was facing caught up to me. And I, I did mm. end up going back. Um, but you know, I had I had some good experiences. You know, an apartment fire, a couple 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 other incidents that aren't record worthy. <laughs> Maybe that will make it into one of our live shows. You just never know. Okay, so just for our listeners, Nathan has recently went to the Smartless Live Show podcast and is now trying desperately to figure out how we can fill an auditorium with you, our listeners. And I'm trying to tell him that the answer is no, but. 
please help. Reach out to Nathan, Nathan Ament on LinkedIn. That's Nathan Ament. Uh, tell him you're not going to buy a ticket for us at a, at a live show. Thank you. We'll have to settle for these ACAZ presentations we got coming up this year. Okay, Teach, I'm going to let it go. See, I was trying to be really nice to you and like hear your story and be endearing. And then he just turned on me just like that turned on me. Well, it was yeah. clear you were trying. I know. And that's how it's going to be in the live show. That's why they're going to buy a ticket. Okay. Well, that was a great episode about gap years. I'm Nathan. <laughs> that was a lunch gas. Thanks folks. <laughs> <laughs>Yeah. Remember, this is the episode where we're talking about Melissa McCarthy pouring ranch dressing on her face. I, I thought it was, but then I was like, maybe that was another episode. Jesus, they're all running together. <laughs>